Welcome to Your Personnel File, a podcast at Army Human Resources Command. Your Personnel File explores the programs, policies, and initiatives designed to serve you, the soldier, veteran, and family member. Now, let's join our host, Master Sergeant Glenn Riddell, and find out what's inside Your Personnel File at HRC. Hello, and welcome to this installment of Your Personnel File. I'm Master Sergeant Glenn Riddell, and on this episode, we're talking about Women's History Month. The Army story isn't complete without the historic achievements of women soldiers and civilians who have played a major role in the defense of our nation since the Revolutionary War. Women of every race, class, and ethnic background have made historic contributions to the growth and strength of our Army in countless recorded and unrecorded ways. Today in the studio, we are glad to have Brigadier General Hope Rampey and Lieutenant, excuse me, First Lieutenant Brooke Stevens with us. Brigadier General Rampey is the Adjutant General of the U.S. Army and Lieutenant Stevens has been working as her assistant XO for seven months now. Ladies, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you. So we'll start this off easy. Uh, Ma'am, Brigadier General Ramp, if you want to go first and just give a little overview of who you are, what you've done in the Army to the listeners, uh, and then Lieutenant Stevens, ma'am, if you go next. Sure. Uh, So Hope Rampy, and actually I am in my 26th year of service. Um, So pretty unique in that I said I would join the Army for about four years, and then I was going to get out, and I knew uh, exactly what I was going to do when I was a first lieutenant. So it'll be interesting to hear from Brooke today on uh, what she thinks. Uh, but I was commissioned as an Adjutant General Corps officer and have really enjoyed it, thinking that I would only do four years and get out. Uh, the fact is I fell in love with what I do, and here I am this many you know years later. But he said, tell you about myself. So probably if I started off, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a soldier, I'm a mom, and I'm a spouse. And so I think it, um, it defines not only who I am as a soldier, but probably how I treat soldiers now that I have a young adult kid. You know, I could uh, technically probably be Brooke's mom. And so when you look at uh, the people first efforts that we have and how we take care of folks right now, um, it just changes a little bit as you get older. And now I can look at someone and go, those really are our sons and daughters of, of the nation. So that's a little bit about me. Um, and since I kind of picked on you a little bit, Brooke, saying that you know, I could be your mom, she's probably like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, I think you have a really unique story on how did you decide to join the Army and then um, how you kind of went about that. Yes, ma'am. So I grew up in Northern California, and my big passion in high school was golf. And golf was fully my focus, and all I could really see at that point was wanting to play in college. And so I ended up getting recruited to play for Santa Clara University in the Bay Area, and um, I went to college there for four years. And upon graduation, I kind of just did what everyone else, all of my friends did, is I just got a job right out of graduation, and um, moved to San Francisco and just started working um, the corporate life. Um, So I got a job for Williams-Sonoma and working in their inventory planning department and just kind of started rolling and and figuring out what I wanted to do, just taking it a day at a time. And after a few years, I kind of was reflective on like, is this what I want to do long-term? Do I see myself here just kind of going along the ranks, kind of climbing the corporate ladder? 
or, or is there something else I want to do? And I kind of felt as much as I loved my job, loved my coworkers, and really did enjoy it, I kind of felt like something was lacking. Um, I wasn't getting that fulfillment I had been seeking um, in my profession. And so I looked at nonprofit work. I was just trying to figure out what do I want to do instead of this. Soul searching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I ended up looking at like military websites and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I could, you know, join the military. And um, I ended up calling an Army recruiting office um, local to San Francisco and just talking to someone, hey, I've been doing some research online. I see that OCS might be an option for me. Um, I just wanted to see if I could talk to someone about Did it. Did they say who paid you to call? <laughs> <laughs> You're making their life real easy. Yeah. <laughs> I've done my research. Yeah, they, they actually were very excited that I already knew what OCS was. So, um, I told them, I was like, you know, I went to college already, and I think I do want to go the officer route. That just kind of seems like what I want to do, and I, I just want to figure out how, how that works. And so he's like, you know, Let's just meet in person, come down to the recruiting center, and we'll talk about it. And I went down there, and he's like, you know what? He's like, OCS packets, that's one option. But there's also another option. I'm actually good buddies with the local recruiter at University of San Francisco. And you could go back to school, get your master's degree, and commission as a lieutenant as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool because then I'd get my school paid <laughs> for. And next thing you know, I, I went down there. I met with the recruiter, had an excellent conversation. He told me to enroll. And two and a half years later, I commissioned as an AG officer and got my master's. So it was kind of a unique path to get here. But um, I feel so fortunate that that's what ended up happening. Absolutely, man. That's great. And that's <laughs> a great story. And it showcases the opportunities that are out there for our, our folks out there in the civilian world that want to come into the, the United States Army. <laughs> Talk to your local recruiter and see what these, these options yeah. are. And then sitting in front of me, too, right? Like, no disrespect, ma'am. I have the old guard, right, of the AG Corps and potentially the new, the new guard coming right. in, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, the purpose we're here is we talk about Women's History Month, its importance, right? Uh, and kind of uh, all the accomplishments and things that have occurred in this army uh, with, you know, uh, respect to the women inside of this military, in, in the army specifically, because that's what we're here for. So, ma'am, I'm going to start with you. You've been in the army 26 years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there has definitely been a culture change in the army uh, over that period of time and, and how we treat people. You brought up people first, right? Um, and more so of uh, inclusiveness and accepting people and individuals and who they are and what they've accomplished, gender, race, uh, sexuality, all those things have changed in the last couple of years, right? Um, what is the importance of Women's History Month to you as you see it? Um, and that you, looking back now after 26 years, you would tell uh, First Lieutenant Stevens of, of why, why it's important and why we recognize it and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, even coming in so many years ago, um, you know, I was confident, and I think um, without knowing it, I was already willing to lean in without someone telling me, you know, take a seat at the table, make sure you're leaning in. But I think, um, unfortunately, it kept me from appreciating what those differences were, because I thought, there's no difference. In the Adjutant General Corps, I mean, it's the most equally diverse branch that there is, gender, uh, different uh, backgrounds. And so I think what I saw in front of me was not reality. 
until I took a different job in a different type of unit. And it was in an AG personal services battalion that as a first lieutenant that I first felt kind of the difference. And a uh, male battalion commander saying, hey, you need to be more involved with um, the family support group. And I said, well, you know, I am and I'm supporting it. Uh, but it's not my full time, but I understand it's a commander's responsibility because I was a detachment commander. And I said, but I gave the other detachment commander's name and I said, but he's doing this, what I'm doing. It's different because you're also a woman. Really? Mm. Okay. And I think I was just so disheartened and I went to the female battalion XO and she said, it is different because we're women. And although I don't agree with the statement, you know, understanding how to, how do you process that and how do you um, either accept it or push back. And so, you know, I decided to push back, but it was my first dose of reality that we're not all equal. And uh, I think at first it really hurt my feelings because the Army had already given me so much, you know, a scholarship, uh, a job after college, um, a, a better house than I had ever lived in. And I thought, how can this be? Uh, but I gained an appreciation for it's okay to be different. Um, I just want the, the opportunity. And so over the years, I mean, opportunity has changed, right? Yes, ma'am. But I think I fought against playing the, hey, we need to celebrate women, we need to celebrate women's history because I just wanted to be a soldier and I just wanted to be, you know, that squad member or member of the team. Um, but now I think I'm a little bit more, uh, hopefully a little bit more mature and I think it's important that I not only share my story, but you know, Brooke, as you progress, you share your story because although you can read about World War II, Korean, Vietnam veterans and saying, I don't want any thanks, I don't want any recognition. Um, it's not about them necessarily, but we need it. You know, future generations need to hear the stories and us being open and honest. No, that's great, ma'am. You know, it, I've been a first sergeant, I've been a platoon sergeant, and I, I'm come from the military police background. And as I grew up in the Army and, and having open conversations with my, my female soldiers, right, we've had serious conversations. They, they looked up to me, I was a mentor, a coach, but they still desired or found or sought after the woman, right? So someone they can look up to that looks like them and that can understand them. Because I'll tell you what, in my beginning years, I didn't, I didn't get it, right? I, you know, I knew there's differences men and women, but until I had got married, until I got older and saw, you know, what experiences women have to go through, right? In life, just in childbirth, for example, right, man? You know, and have to come back from that. And the Army standards that you have to meet there after. Just recently, we changed the policy, right? After all these years, you know, it used to be Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was six weeks. So 42 days, to be precise. And so uh, I'm, I had a, um, have a 23-year-old daughter, and unfortunately, um, you know, had a C-section, and uh, you said be honest, so hopefully yeah. you don't get squeamish. <laughs> and it hurts. Um, you're sore, and you have a brand new baby, and in six weeks you got to figure out, okay, I, I'm going to get this routine down, but then I physically have to feel well enough 
I've got to figure out daycare, and I've got to go back to work. And I, I guess I didn't really, I was young enough to think, well, that's what I have to do. And I didn't question, boy, that's a lot. Just, yeah, it doesn't see, like, now. Know, physically and mentally, that's a lot to go through. Uh, but also, I mean, we know now, as far as connection with the child, too, you know. The motherly um, connection. You didn't bring up postpartum depression things. And, and um, for, yeah. you know, fortunately, I didn't have, I didn't have that, but I can't imagine for someone that, you know, goes through that because you don't, you don't choose to have those issues. Mm -hmm. And so if you did and you had to go back to work that, that quickly, then not only are you not a great leader, you know, good for yourself, you're not good for your soldiers. So um, it's, I mean, it's exciting, all the changes, you know, from not only allowing the uh, person giving birth having more time, but also whomever the spouse is now having more time. Um, we have different opportunities, male and female, as far as adoption. Just parental uh, time with whether it's natural or adopted, um, which just shows our focus on family. So I think that's really cool. It is, ma'am. Absolutely. Big, you know, Army's come a very long way, um, and, and it's great to see the changes that we're making to, to impact, like, people first. We have to take care of our people. Um, but, ma'am, I want you know, Lieutenant Stevens, mm -hmm. back over to you, right? So you said you've been in Army two and a half years, right? Yes. And so <laughs> I mentioned a couple minutes ago that, you know, in, in conversations with my, my female soldiers, they said they always sought, a, you know, a mentor. Uh, at least one mentor was a female, and they, they were, you know, paraphrasing was someone that looks like me and can understand me. They had male mentors too, right? Mm -hmm. But it was great to have a female mentor, role model, coach, whatever word you want to use. Uh, but how about yourself? Did you identify or, you know, stick to someone that, that says, hey, I, I want to be like this woman? Um, and if so, could you tell us about it? Yeah, so I think for me, the first unit or the only other unit I've been to besides here at HRC, um, I was a battalion S1, and I had several um, soldiers much younger than me, um, you know, 18 years old, I'm 26, you know, that I was all of a sudden put in a mentor position. And I took that very seriously. I, I saw that there's, you know, I had two 18, 19 year old soldiers that were in my S1 shop that I really, really wanted to provide a positive experience for. Um, obviously, they're away from home. It's already scary enough to be away from home. I remember being away from home for the first time, and I didn't even have a job to do. It was I was just there for school. So it, it's, it is challenging to be in that position, and then to have someone that you can look up to that might look like you, you know, is, is another female, I think is only for, for the better. And so I, I took it, um, very seriously and um, we went on deployment like maybe four or five months after I got to the unit and these young women were there with me and I think it was really beneficial to have someone that they could talk to about different issues that were coming up whether it be hey I'm away from my spouse and I'm you know I, I just like to talk through it with somebody or hey I'm just having a bad day like can we just like shut the door and just go at it for <laughs> for 30 minutes and and it's definitely challenging when you're deployed but it's also challenging as a young female soldier to be deployed and I felt very um, fortunate to be in a position of mentorship. What type of battalion were you in ma'am? So I was in an engineer battalion an engineer so that's battalion. another um, 
caveat to that is like it's predominantly male mm -hmm. um, being an engineer battalion. And I also looked up to the other lieutenants and captains in my unit that were females also mentoring. Like I, I tried to like take what they were using and that was working well and tried to implement that in my own shop. And um, especially the other platoon leaders that were leading soldiers and actually going outside and like, mm -hmm. you know, combat and seeing combat. Like I just remember like trying to pick their brains as much as possible because not only am I in my little foxhole in a building, they're having to mentor people and go out in combat. Like that's, that's a lot more challenging than what I was facing. Um, and so there's definitely um, some fellow lieutenants that I am very look up to a lot. Some peer mentorship. Yes, Absolutely, exactly. Man. It's important to note that, you know, it took the Army 38 years to open up all career fields mm -hmm. to women, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, not until 2016 is when they said, finally, everything's open. Yeah, but even then, I mean, 2016, then you, it's open, but it was a phased-in approach. Yes, ma'am. And to your point, you know, you said, how is it, you know, being able to look up to someone, and that was the concern that if you sent in, you know, like mm -hmm. Brooke said, that 18, 19-year-old private, um, and they didn't have someone else that they could look up to, there was that concern. So. I liked that the Army kind of phased it in where you'll have at least these two leaders in this type of brigade before mm -hmm. you allow that young private um, and that were phased in. And so I think now, you know, all these years, I mean, pretty much all integrated. Um, you know, I think we just, what was it, the last month or two, graduated our 100th female from Ranger yeah. School. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that every you know, every female, just like not every male wants to do that. <laughs> but the fact that there's, you know, equity and you have the opportunity um, is just really unique. And I think finally there's a lot more appreciation for diversity in the mm -hmm. ranks as far as, you know, the depth and breadth that we get as uh, leaders are able to produce in the Army because of that diversity is just... Um, it's always been, I think, a, full, a force multiplier, but I think it's just much more appreciated right now. Absolutely, ma'am. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you said it, diversity, um, and I'll add on diversity based on our experience, you know, so we bring mm -hmm. diversity of thought. Yeah. You're women leaders in the Army, let's not deny that, ma'am. You, you know, you've been 26 years, you're a general in the Army. You're your spouse, you said you have children. The way you think now, your perspective now is different when you were a Lieutenant Stevens' mm -hmm. age, you know, and so the diversity of thought through experience brought to the organization. Mm -hmm. You know, we have women-led rangers in combat, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that matters. Like, inclusion, diversity matters to create an organization that, you know, can think and adapt and be flexible. And your experience as women, mm -hmm. I think it matters. Well, and I think, um, you know, people, everyone wants to show up to feel, you know, purposeful. They want to be value-added. Um, but to me, you know, what fills my cup is that if I am not only able to contribute, but excited to continue to do it. So, you know, I said I was going to join, get out at four years. And, um, you know, why am I still here? And I think it's because, you know, I felt valued even back then, though. And the Army gave me what I needed, not necessarily wanted. Mm. And um, for that, I think I will always be appreciative. 
And so I have been able to, to grow. And so I can only imagine what the future holds, you know, as we continue to have more uh, equitable opportunities and, and diversity within um, our service. Yes, ma'am. Now, Lieutenant Stevens, you brought up earlier, you, you had this uh, unique career path to the Army. Mm -hmm. So you spent, you know, time in uh, the business world. Uh, and do you see any, you know, correlation between what's with where the Army culture is right now mm -hmm. and where the business world is right now? Yes, that's a great question. So the company I worked for, um, being in retail, is predominantly female, um, at least the company I worked for. Um, but I will say the similarities that I do see between um, the Army and corporate business is just the the need and desire to propel forward into the new modern age and continuing to um, adapt and and really just um, support their employees regardless of who they are and I and I that's why I really like how to see how far the army has come over the last you know few decades and seeing how they've integrated females into combat arms and that sort of thing like I think focusing on that and propelling forward is is really cool and those are kind of the similarities that I see between the two of them is just the desire to focus on who they have in their formations right now that makes sense ma'am you know uh, it's just in the last couple of years what comes to my mind naturally is, is we've had you know more you correct me ma'am if I'm wrong you know more female General selected as DCGs of divisions mm. than, than ever, ever, right? And, and yeah, it, so it, we have uh, um, one, actually, the Commandant of the Military Police School, you know, mm -hmm. uh, has been named to be the next Deputy Community General at uh, First ID. Um, you know, uh, Laura Richardson has been a trailblazer. I mean, she was a DCG, and uh, back in, I think, 2013 for First Cav Division. Um, and now, you know, a, a four-star general. So I think opportunities are there, but, you know, they're, they're small, but also you have to look at it. It's, you know, it'll take a Lieutenant Stevens to become a Division G1 or a battalion commander to then have the opportunity to be something at an 06 level, to even be considered for a general officer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and frankly, what I love about our institution that it's, you know, it's best athlete, mm -hmm. not best athlete and a girl or best athlete and a guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we want is mm -hmm. I don't want to be picked just because mm -hmm. I'm female. I want to be picked because, you know, I, I, I'm valued and I have the skills and the knowledge needed for whatever that position is. Yes, ma'am. And there's a lot of opportunities, but I think at the same time, you know, it's Women's History Month. It's also celebrating our differences uh, that really bring a lot of strength to the Army. Um, I like it that females enjoy having other female friendships. I think it makes us better. And sometimes when we say, hey, it takes a village, Absolutely. you know, like you said, whether it's go behind a closed door, mm -hmm. have that conversation. Um, you know, love my husband, uh, but it's not the same thing as getting together with, you know, a couple of girlfriends and having a discussion. And I think we should celebrate some of those differences. And it makes me a stronger officer and leader if I keep that up. 
Absolutely. And as a male non-commissioned officer, I 100% mm -hmm. agree, ma'am. We, the Army's finally uh, celebrating individualness and the uniqueness uh, of, of us, uh, the people in the Army, right? Mm -hmm. And then allowing that to bring us together to, to create better organizations. And it blows my mind after 20, how we weren't doing this earlier, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> it, you know, what had a shift? Like, and that's my last question before we kind of close it out, man. What, what had a shift? And I don't know if you want to take, and you, Lieutenant Stevens, take some time too, as you saw it in the business. Like, what was it society that started the shift? Uh, you know, what, where mm -hmm. did the Army start to make that shift? Uh, anything you could pinpoint after 26 years, ma'am? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, the Army is a mosaic of our society. And so, but we're such a small population. So if we say it's whatever the stat is today, less than 2%, you know, ever serve. And sometimes we think it, if you're part of the institution, you don't realize how small you are. Mm -hmm. um, but because we bring in all walks of life, um, you have to be able to adjust to what society is accepting. And I think um, you see the changes in the workforce, I mean, that started happening even if it was, you know, Rosie the Riveter, uh, when the men went off to World War II, mm -hmm. although there were women, when the men mainly went off to World War II, and uh, I think that's the first time, you know, our nation looked and said, I mean, we have to continue to produce things and economically, we cannot do what we need to do without women. Uh, I think we took a step back when men came back and women were expected mm -hmm. to go back to a traditional role, but I think they got a taste of it, and I think they appreciated uh, being able to uh, give back outside of the household. And I, so I think the military kind of saw that. You saw it when the WAC went away, yeah. so the Women's Army Corps, uh, when that went away and transitioned into uh, regular part of the army. I, I think that's when we saw saw a big change. But really, I think we're a reflection of society, mm -hmm. and so we saw it happening outside the army. Why would I join the army mm -hmm. to be more suppressed than I would be outside of the army? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but that being said, the army, you know, even if it was scientifically in some positions, we have been change agents. We, the institution, have been change agents that society has also followed. Mm -hmm. And so as we have made evolutionary and revolutionary changes, I think it um, has a direct impact on the nation we support. Right, and you bring up, ma'am, uh, those changes. And you know, just as last end of last calendar year, over 9,400 women have been assessed and integrated into infantry, armor, field artillery, air defense, engineers, and aviation specialties. Um, yeah, I think that that statistic is pretty cool because at the end of the day, like like the hundredth woman who graduated from Ranger School, like standards are standards regardless of if you're female or male in a school like that. Right. And I think it's so cool um, to celebrate that women are able to do that now um, because at the end of the day, like Ranger School is hard no matter who you are. <laughs> and right. I've never been myself, but being in a engineer unit, I, I have friends that have gone to ranger school and succeeded. Um, and, and they'll tell you, they're like, you know, I think the cool thing about ranger school is that you're all in it together and you're in each person's um, skill set kind of comes out and you support each other in that. 
and and I think it's really cool that women have the opportunity to do that too and to to train to be a, a ranger and a leader um, and I just want to say I know we're, we're wrapping up but I think something really special for me so far in, in my career I've only been in the army for less than three years so I'm still very new um, but to have the opportunity to work for a incredible man like incredible leader and not only that an incredible female leader has just like it's just so inspirational like I really do feel like it's a blessing and um, I think the thing that's the coolest about it is is ma'am how you always emphasize doing the right by the soldier by the family and and not wavering from doing the right thing and at the end of the day that's what leaders are supposed to do they're supposed to do the right thing so having an example for someone that I can look up to I think is just incredible and and if we continue on this momentum of having more female leaders, like next thing you know, in 10, 15 years from now, like it's an exciting thing to think about. No, thanks, man. Great comments. No, my goodness. Yeah, how you Did that I tell up, right? you the other difference between males and females? This extra tear duct. <laughs> my goodness, no. Um, you know, but it's a. It, it's also added pressure. Uh, at least mm -hmm. I put on myself because then you feel like you owe so much. Mm -hmm because if you misstep or you're not someone that others want to, to emulate, you know, I think, again, having a 23-year-old daughter who's not in the Army, but I think if she was watching me, you know, we talk mm -hmm. about characters when n no one's watching, mm -hmm. what do you do? And that's what I think is that that's kind of the litmus test of if she were watching me, would she be proud? Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad you said that, Brooke. You got me all in the feels. And, um, <laughs> You know, I'm just honored to serve with you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, thank you so much <laughs> for having us today. No, thank you, ladies. And <laughs> what a privilege to sit here across from you two phenomenal, like you said, man, women <laughs> leaders. Uh, great, great discussion today. And I appreciate you being here. Well, this concludes uh, our personnel file uh, for this month. Your personnel file is a monthly podcast brought to you by the Army Human Resources Command Public Affairs Office located here at Fort Knox. Today's podcast was written and produced by Daniela Vestal with support of the Human Resources Command Public Affairs Team. Visual imagery is courtesy of Staff Sergeant Benjamin Shaw.